You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Some of you have been longtime listeners, and you will remember this episode. But for those of you that are new to Naked Beauty, this is an encore of one of my favorite episodes from the first year I started the show. Enjoy. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, I have Christy Rutherford here. Hi. Senior fashion editor at Bazaar.com. Which I am. I feel like I got you at a good time because you just came back from an amazing Caribbean vacation. Where were you even? I was in St. Martin. Oh my God. It was really nice. What's amazing about going on vacation, especially to a place like that, is packing the bare minimum of like beauty standards and just... Even though you didn't wear sunscreen, which is really bad. Bad. Did your dermatologist I, like give you a talking to? No. So actually my dermatologist just made me feel so much better because she told me that when she doesn't pack the right sunscreen that some that she goes without it. Because oh. I did put sunscreen on the first day, but it was like regular sunscreen for your body, like Neutrogena or something. And it started making me break out. So oh, I was yeah, like, so I it's not worth can't it. do this. So I follow you on Instagram along with 25,000 other people. <laughs> so I see, you know, your day to day, all these fabulous things you're doing, but I actually want to start from the beginning. Sure. So where are you from? I'm from Bedford Hills in Westchester, New York. So just an hour outside the city. Okay. Was it like very suburb? Like, did you go to a big suburban high school with cheerleaders and football players? Yes. 
the whole suburban upbringing for sure. I think since I was like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, I definitely loved fashion. And I used to read Harper's Bazaar and Cosmopolitan and all these other magazines. Yeah. I think that... I don't know. People's interest in fashion has totally changed yes. today. And yes. I think that it's so easy to consume mm-hmm. and it's everywhere. You see it on Instagram, you see it on Pinterest, right. on Facebook, right. you know, everywhere. And I remember when I was in high school, I literally used every month when I would get like the new Harper's Bazaar, the new Vogue, I had a friend who also loved fashion and we would literally talk on the phone, and just go, go through page it page by, by page. page. I love that. And like talk about the advertisements mm-hmm. yes, yes. and all the editorials. Yep. And you just like lived it, yes. breathed yes. it. It was yes. everything. Yes. And I feel like there's such a big difference between... So some people say they love fashion and they really mean that they love to shop. Right. And then there's appreciating the industry, the art form, the makeup. Like I feel like the true fashion fans... They know who did the hair on an image. They knew who, who the photographer was. They know who right. did the styling. Right. They know every single aspect of what went into creating that image. A hundred percent. You knew you loved fashion, but did you know yes. you wanted a career in it? Yes. I just didn't really... I don't think I knew what it all really entailed. Right. But I always thought that I wanted to be the person that picked the clothes that right. You, right. Know, you see in the magazine. Right. Like, that was my thinking. Okay. <laughs> and it's interesting because the job you have now technically didn't really exist. Right. Like, right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't think I ever thought that I would be doing what I'm doing now. I don't even think when I got my first job in fashion or like even my first job in publishing that I really thought that I would be doing everything that I'm doing now. Right. And where did you start? My start was a little rocky because I graduated college in 2008 and it was like right when the economy was going to shit for lack of a better word. And so, you know, I had interned at Harper's Bazaar for two summers while I was in college. So when I graduated, I was like, oh, I'm getting a job like right away. My editors that I reported to loved me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sold. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't easy at all. And of course, I took the summer off because I wanted to enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, by August, when I started looking around and like emailing the editors that I had reported to, it was just like there was nothing. Right. So I actually got my start freelancing at a multi-label showroom. They did the sales for a lot of cool contemporary brands, a lot of them European Um, and so I would work there during like the fashion market period. So that would start like during New York fashion week and last until maybe two weeks after Paris. So you got like all of the craziness. Kind of. So I was, you know, all the buyers would be coming in to buy for the following season. And even though it wasn't what I thought I wanted to do, it was still really interesting to see Mm -hmm. people like Linda Fargo come in or, you know, all these boutique owners and watch them, you know, buy for the following season and see like why they picked, you know, right. the things that they were yes. going to sell. Yes. You know, some yes. people would be like, oh, my customer only wears dresses. My right. customer loves right. suits or yeah. something like that. That is interesting. Yeah. To appreciate a job like that, 
you almost have to have that like fashion nerd obsession because the hours are long, the pay is low. So yeah. Linda Fargo walking in has to make your day, right? Absolutely. You, know, you have to like, you have to like really love it to tolerate the amount of work that goes into it. A hundred percent. And like relish those like little yes. moments. If you don't love it. You I, can't you, do it. You won't last a week. You can't do it. I love the Vogue internship. It was very difficult, but I was confused by girls who complained because I was sort of like, you're at Vogue. Like, right. Andre Leon Talley says, jump, how high? Right? It's like, an, it's almost like yes. you're, you're working in the temple of like a bazaar or a Vogue and you just have to do what's asked of you and you have to come in with that expectation. And some yeah. people aren't, some people, I feel like if you aren't going to make it in fashion, you probably find out within the first year. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, you are one of the few Black women that's working in fashion, um, at your level, right? And I feel like there's a camaraderie, at least from the outside looking in, there feels like it feels like there's this real like camaraderie. Yes. Are you friends with like other fashion editors of color? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it's something that's, you know, really strengthened like over the last, I would say, two years. Like, of course, there's like a few black editors that I've always known. Um, Nikki Ognaki, who works at L.com, mm-hmm. she and I actually interned together at Bazaar. Oh, no feel like there is now this, you know, camaraderie between all the other Black editors that you see at Fashion Week. And, right. every, you know, everyone kind of knows one another. So once you meet a few, then you start to meet more. And, you get and it really it really is nice to have that, I will yes, say. Yes, of course. What do you think you or other Black editors have to deal with that other editors don't have to? I don't know. I, you know, I've been asked before, you know, do I think that I, you know, I faced obstacles getting a job or getting to where I was because Mm -hmm. I was black. And um, I don't know. I said I had a challenging time just like anyone else who was probably just trying to break into the industry. Um, I do think it's challenging because, of course, there are so few Black editors in Mm -hmm. the industry. Um, And I think that there were definitely one or two occasions where I showed up for an interview and I could kind of tell Mm. on the interviewer's face that they were surprised Mm. that I was Black. Mm. Um, But... yeah. I don't know. I think that I've always come across as super passionate um, about my job. And I think that people can really see that. So I would like to believe that the color of my skin has never really imitated my success. Right. (laughs) And then in a weird way, it can also be a benefit, right? To be a woman of color. And yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, having that perspective, especially... Um, right now because there are a few of us and I think that everyone is really looking for that perspective right now and making sure that, you know, our voices are heard. So I think that it's really important um, to bring, to be able to bring that to the table. And also not to say that I can obviously speak for all um, Black women. And I'm actually really proud that I work with a team that is super mindful of Mm -hmm you know, diversity in general. More so now than ever, there are Black people that are integrated into like fashion campaigns and beauty campaigns. Right. Do you worry that it's 
a trend and like all trends, it will fade away? Or do you think it's really um, a permanent change that we will start to be more mindful of representation? Uh, I definitely don't think it's something we're going to see go away. I think that just people are demanding this. And I, I actually think that now when I see campaigns or especially during fashion week, when you go to a show and you see no models of color. It's like, it looks so old fashioned, it's, right? It's just so blatant. Yes, exactly. It's like, what? It stands out so, so much, much yeah. to me. And I never really thought about it before, you know, when I was first starting out because right. it was just like, this is the way This is the are. way it is. Yes, yes. Wow. <laughs> but now it has definitely changed and it just seems so blatant. And, um, you know, I hate to think that there are campaigns that people are casting and thinking, okay, well, we just need like one black girl in this, like, so people don't Mm -hmm. get upset. Um, but there are so many amazing black models right now. There are so many. I mean, I guess, Hey, if there is a quota and they're getting involved, then that's great. Um, and they're proving themselves. But I do think that, you know, it's just something people are taking into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good and appreciated, even if their intentions aren't wholly pure. Right. The end result is the same. The representation is still there. Yeah. (laughs) You have such amazing skin. And I feel like every time I see your photos, you look so like fresh faced. (laughs) Do you do make, do you wear makeup to work? I do. But like, it's like there, it's like you do the no makeup makeup look perfectly. Yes. I don't like to look like I'm wearing makeup. Yeah. Um, and actually, very recently, I just started wearing foundation. Like, I I don't know. I very always, like, had, like, a weird relationship with foundation. Because <laughs> I, like, I hear you. For so long... It's I, hard to find your, your skin color. Exactly. And also, like, for so long, I didn't have good skin. So I thought that, like you know, putting foundation on my skin would be bad. But then I'm like people, but then I'm like people who have good skin don't need to wear foundation. So I was very confused as to like who foundation (laughs) who is actually for. (laughs) You have really good skin though. There was a time where you didn't. I I haven't okay. (laughs) I have struggled with acne in my what for what feels like my entire life. Since I was a teenager. Um I've always had bad skin and you know, I've... But your skin is totally clear now. So what What have you... Do you take Accutane or... No. Okay. But it almost got to that. Um, so I'm actually... I'm actually in the process of writing a story about this for Bazaar, but I will tell you yes, and your give us the exclusive. listeners. Yes. Um, so about a year and a half ago... I, so my acne was always like, just, you know, bothersome whiteheads the usual, but like a year and a half ago, I started getting cystic acne, which yeah. is the absolute, absolute worst. worst. Yeah. You wake up and you're like, what am I looking at in the mirror today? I yeah. had never had it before. And like, you know, it would just be like one here, a couple of weeks, one there. But then all of a sudden it was just like coming more and more and more. I was literally like at my dermatologist's office every other day, getting cortisone injections, oh getting God. extractions. Um, I'm allergic to amoxicillin. So a lot of acne medication I can't take, Take which also I don't want to be taking antibiotics. Right. Um, and so I was using topicals for a while, like retin-A micro and it, 
helped for a little bit um, when I was just had whiteheads, but when you have cystic acne, it doesn't help. Like right. literally nothing helps. helps. Yeah. yeah. Cystic acne. Yeah. A good attitude helps. <laughs> yeah. I am not my skin. Yeah. I know. Ugh. Yeah. It, like having clear skin for a little while and then having cystic acne your late 20s, like approaching 30 is really like a test for your self-esteem. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, thank God I have like a good sense of self-esteem. So right. yeah, I, I, you know, can look at it as though, yes, I'm not my skin. Right. Um, and I feel like cystic acne is weirdly becoming more and more common because huh. I, you know, obviously I'm out all the time and I see a lot of girls with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is actually fairly common. And um, yeah, so I, you know, my dermatologist kept like, you know, switching up my prescription for retinoids and everything and nothing was helping. Um, I started seeing this um, celebrity esthetician, Renee Rouleau. She's actually based in Texas. Oh my God. Um, but I saw her, but she travels to like LA and New York. And actually the first time I saw her was when I was in LA for work. And so she's like one of, I think the few, um, estheticians and she has her own skincare line to create, um, a product for cystic acne, Ah. but acne, you know, like, what's the name of her line? So people that are dealing with this. Renee Rouleau, it's her name. Renee Rouleau. Okay. So, but what she has told me is like, you know, obviously we know like there's no two bodies that are the same Mm -hmm. and like acne is kind of the same way. So like, the product works really well for some people. It didn't really work for me. Like, okay. I think it helped a little bit, but um, not to the extent that I would have liked. So then, of course, I spent a lot of time searching on the internet, searching, yes. searching, searching. Um, also, my doctor had prescribed me spironolactone, which a lot of people are taking right now for cystic acne, but it was giving me chest pains. Oh, God. Which is a similar side effect that I was having to when I was on birth control for my skin. So oh I like my body. Just I'd rather doesn't... have bad skin than have chest pains. Yes. Right. <laughs> so I just, my body does not like my hormones, like being toyed with. Yeah. Um. So yes, after much research on the internet, I found this all natural supplement that a lot of people were talking about. <sighs> I'm called... so excited to hear you say this because I'm like a big advocate for natural beauty. Okay, continue. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so this supplement called DIM, D-I-M, and mm. it's based in um, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower, like cancer patients take it. Um, oh, apparently wow. it, it helps to balance your estrogen levels because my acne was, uh, was totally hormonal. It right. was predominantly on the lower half of my face. Um, and, and you still take this now? Yes. I'm not taking it like every single day, like I used to. Um, but literally two weeks after taking it, my skin totally changed. Wow. And, like, yes. and I've been on it since November, I think. That's an well, it's, it's working. Your skin it's, is flawless. That's amazing. It's totally worked. I mean, I'm still getting like little whiteheads here and there, but yeah, like, I haven't has. had a cystic pimple in so wow. long. I know. I am such a, like cheerleader for natural beauty because I think most skincare brands are just a bunch of BS. And I think that 
you know, the turmeric and honey and egg white and green tea that you have at home are the best remedies for your skin. It does take some like testing and learning what works, totally. but it's so worth it because a lot of the chemical prescription grade skincare and medications are actually really harmful for you. Yeah. So that's, that's good. It's also good though, I would say that you worked with a dermatologist because a lot of people don't see dermatologists at all. Right. And you can self-diagnose, but I think it is good to have yeah. like an expert right. <laughs> look at your skin. Um, for sure. But I am glad, you know, that I did my own little research because I don't think there's any dermatologist that's going to tell you that you should yes. take the supplement right. that right. you can literally buy over the counter. Right. I ordered right. it on Amazon. Right. Um, and literally, you know, after months and months and months of, you know, seeing a dermatologist and it, I was like really at wit's end. <laughs> You're like, I can't. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So. And so. I'm imagining I'm Chrissy. I'm at I'm 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 in the dot com section with all of the editors from all of these places, and I have a skin problem. Like, do you just like tap the beauty editors? Like, excuse me, I have well, a question. Yeah, I'm my beauty editor actually also recommended something really awesome to me that I've been using, which um, is glycolic acid peels. Ooh. So I she and I actually I also read about them from Ashley Weatherford. She's the beauty editor at New York Mag. Her Into the Gloss interview, she Uh. mentioned that she had been using glycolic peels from Austin and Kane. So I asked my beauty editor to to call them in for me. And she said, like, you know, are you... my beauty editor asked me, are you exfoliating? And I was like, oh, well, I have like one of those brush thingies that I use when I wash, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I wash my face. And she was like, you know, I don't use those anymore. Like I do a chemical exfoliant. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that totally changed my life. I use my little glycolic pads every morning and every night. And like my skin has never been softer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so using that and like I'm still using my retinoids a little bit because, you know, they're anti-wrinkle. Yeah. But they could retinoids are interesting because some people get really bad dry skin from them. Yes. So you have to you kind of just have, you have to ease into it. Yes. I'm on like the highest level oh, right really? now. You reach you reach <laughs> the max. <laughs> yeah. But you're probably Which using is, a nice moisturizer to yeah. like seal. And also them. like my skin is the opposite of sensitive. Like you could literally put <laughs> okay. anything on it and it would be fine. Um, I do use it with a good moisturizer and I don't use it any every day anymore. Right. But like, yeah, when I first started using it, like my skin was peeling like crazy. Because it was but like, then your skin adjusts to yeah. it and like my skin is never dry. Yeah. And like, can someone tone down the oil that's just... Yeah, your skin, your skin is skin. perfect. You have like, <laughs> what's like body dysmorphia for skin? You have perfect skin. But I think that Thanks. we're always very critical of ourselves. It's hard to ask what a typical day is because yeah. it is the same. But like... General, high level. Um, what time do you get in? <laughs> Lately, I've really been pushing it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I get in. Well, of course, when I wake up, I check my email. So if there's anything urgent, I tend to that. Um, but I normally get in around 10. Okay. You know, I spend a lot of time checking my email. Sometimes yes. I feel like I spend all day in we my all do. email. We all do. <laughs> I'm like, there's two types of people. It's like the people who are on email and like are good at email stuff. And then like the people who get shit done. <laughs> I know. I know. Because you can't get shit you done can't do both. if you're in your email. I'm styling a beauty shoot actually oh. on Thursday. 
So I literally on the plane to St. Martin last Thursday, I started sending some requests um, for clothes that I wanted. And so when you, sorry, when you say requests, you yeah. are requesting samples, samples from publicists. From publicists. Yeah. I think that one of the things that people maybe outside of the industry don't understand is that like fashion shows have a purpose. Right. They invite the editor so that they can see the clothes that yes. they will then use yes. and share with millions of people out yeah. into the world, right? Like your image that you produce is going to be seen by millions of people. Right. And it's a brand wants you to pick their stuff. Totally. And there are a lot of people at fashion shows now that are like, influencers, blog, you know, they're, they're there to have fun and get a great Instagram post. And then there are people like you that are like, I'm literally I'm like, here. This for is work. my job. Yes. Yeah, so you're like, can you please like stop taking selfies in front of me? I'm trying to like actually see the clothes. Yeah. Does it frustrate you? Yes, absolutely. Um, and you know, I don't want to like, I'm not going to like hate on bloggers because yeah. I'm friends with, you know, a couple bloggers and I do respect what some of them do. I mean, I can't say I respect all of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't say that all of them have the integrity of, you know, the rest of the industry. I just think that it's an interesting dynamic because when I was growing up and as far as, you know, I've always known people that work at fashion magazines are the authority. Yes. Yes. In the industry. Yes. Um, but especially like when you work online, even though I work for one of the biggest fashion brands, uh, and you know, Bazaar is the oldest fashion magazine. We're actually mm -hmm. celebrating our 150th anniversary this year. Lots of fun events coming up. Yes. Um, sometimes it feels like you're treated like a second class citizen. <laughs> Doing digital? Yes. Wow. But it's, it's, that's it's incredible. Like, it's like the fashion magazine at, well, sometimes so it's, it's the like blogger, blog, sometimes it's the blogger Wait, editor. But, bloggers sorry. are ahead of digital? Yes. At an established brand? Yes. Wow. Yes. At fashion shows, a hundred percent. Right. Okay. Because, 100%. because they have now taken the place of a celebrity, like they're kind of the celebrity. Yeah. Right. It's it's the blogger celebrity, mm -hmm. the magazine editor, then digital editor. So the thing that's so interesting to me is the publicate, like the reach, right? If you're, if right. you're thinking on an impressions level of digital content versus something that's in the, a print magazine, it's it's incomparable, right? Digital is so much bigger than print in terms of circulation and reach, but oh, there's still 100%. this prestige around print. But I'm sure you've seen it change a lot since you've started. Um, yes, but there are some people who like cling to print magazines. Like yeah. it's actually insane sometimes <laughs> when, you know, we're talking to someone about doing a digital feature and they're like, oh, well, can this be in print too? And you're like, first of all, no, because we're a separate team. Yeah. So you'll have to go talk to yeah. someone else. But and also like digital is what you want. Yes. But there's something about that glossy paper that like has everyone like, really, hi. I'm really excited to ask you about your, well, do you want to start with products you love or trends that you really just want to see go away forever? Um, I'll start with products I love. Okay. Start positive. Uh, I have to go over three, but, and this is kind of based off of things that like I 
like use on a regular yes, basis, obviously, yeah. because that's why I love them. So as I mentioned before, Renee Rouleau, who's a celebrity esthetician that I've been seeing, um, I'm like really lucky. I think that in the last like couple of years, I've managed to find these beauty people who are like super invested mm-hmm. in like my well-being, whether it's my hair or my skin. So Renee is so amazing. And like, even though she's based in Texas, like every month I get an email from her and she's like, how's your skin doing? What do you need? That's amazing. Yeah. And it makes me feel really good because it's like, okay, someone's in this fight with me. (laughs) Yes. yes. Um, And, you know, I was the last time she emailed me, which I think was like in the beginning of February, actually, I was like super excited to tell her like, oh my God, my skin's been so good. So she gave me these two amazing face masks that I use every Sunday. Um, One is this like triple berry peel and it smells as amazing as it sounds. I like always want to eat it. (laughs) It's like literally like feels like you're putting like a berry like puree on your face and it's Things, like, all those fruit acids. Yeah, yeah. But it's so good. And then after that, I do this, um, a rapid response mask. Um, oh, and it's like this like tech. cool, like jelly kind of mask that you put on your skin. And I always do it after I fly. Like I always bring it mm, with me when yeah. I travel. Um, and it's supposed to just like, you know, clear out your pores and make what? everything all nice and smooth. So yes. That's super important to me. And so, yeah, I always use that mask when I travel, but otherwise I do it every Sunday. Oh, nice. Triple berry mask first, then the rapid response. Friday night is my mask night. I feel uh, like it's very important for a beauty routine to have a night. So like Sunday night's yes, your night. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, and then what else do I love? What do you use? You have beautiful, healthy hair. What do you do for your hair? Oh, my hair. Um, oh my God, my hair has been like such a journey. <laughs> Are you natural? I am. Yeah. Oh, gosh. For, we could do a whole nother hour on this. I know for two, two and a half years now. Okay. Um, I don't do my own hair though. Like ever. I never okay, wash so you, my hair. It's just my, I have too much of it and I really can't deal with it. But it's so, so thick and beautiful. So you go to someone, they trim it, they blow it out. Yeah. Iron I it. get, yes. I get a blowout. Pretty much once a week. Sometimes I'll go like every other week. Like it's that been, must get expensive, no? Uh, kind of. Where do you go? Um, so I have like my main hair girl, Liz Owusu, mm-hmm. who I've been seeing for like six or seven years now. And she, is so she she's, some like famous celebrity person. Um, she's worked with. You're like, some, of course, she's it's a, me. No, like <laughs> she's worked with some celebrities, okay. but um, she has a salon and. Bedside. Okay. So I travel all the way out there. She's totally worth it. I mean, of course, once you find the right person. Yeah, you can't. And I found her very randomly at a salon in Soho. And then I would see her there. And then she's like, I'm going to open my own salon. So I followed her. Um, and she has like been so invested in my hair. Like oh, I amazing. can't like cut she, my, like, I can't cut, like get a trim without us like having a conversation oh about it first. She actually won't let me cut my hair right now. Um, so, you know, I've been, that's through. Good. So many people don't care about your hair at all. I had a horrible I know. experience getting heat damaged, but from like a flat iron that was too hot. Oh yeah. And I was like, literally never again. Yeah. Will I trust someone to put heat on my hair because 
I know it's really tricky. Um, so yeah, she's been through everything with me when I was still relaxing my hair. I was relaxing my hair while having a weave, and then she like got me to stretch out my relaxer until I eventually just stopped it yeah. completely. You don't really need. I mean, relaxers are you, very unnecessary. You yes, yeah. And I actually wrote a story like a couple years ago for Bazaar about oh, why like, I, I remember relaxed, that. I yeah, remember that. my hair. I remember that. Which I'm that. eventually going to write something about like, you know, being natural now. And like, yes, I will never say like, oh, I regret relaxing my hair because it's who didn't do it and it served a purpose. Exactly. And, you know, I didn't really know any better. But I think the most important thing, though, it's not about, oh, you know, conforming to these white beauty standards. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's more just like it's a personal choice it's a personal choice but also like relaxers are like a terrible chemical and who knows what the hell it's doing to you are like it's so close to our brains like who knows i know i mean it burns all of the physical signals are there that it's not something you should be doing (laughs) right it's like it gets put on your head and it smells terrible it's burning your scalp off like all of your biological signs are like like, nope nope poison don't do this and we're like it's getting so straight. Yeah. yeah. And and part of the reason I think why I relaxed my hair was that I didn't know that if you had natural hair, that your hair could, could be, be this straight. straight. Yeah. Yeah. Your hair is super straight. Do you ever wear your hair curly? I haven't yet. I want it to grow a little bit longer because... Your hair is long. I mean, not really, but because I have a blunt cut mm-hmm. when it is curly, like I have seen it, mm-hmm. you know, out and curly before, it has a very weird shape because uh, I think of my blunt cut gorgeous. it's like it's like short at the bottom yeah. and then like kind of goes out on but the I feel like that's really cool uh, have you ever know. tried a straw set no what's that a straw mm-hmm. it's like they put these they put your hair in like uh little rods and you sit under the dryer and like they it's like perfect spirals oh. I'll show you some pictures after okay I feel like I would love to see you with curly hair. But you're I also- do have like, per- I have like perfect ringlets, at least like in the back, the top. Everyone's so texture is different, yeah. Because it's just like heat trained and like, yeah. so it's just like limp. It's limp. Yeah. <laughs> but even if, even if you never use heat on your hair, most people have multiple textures mm. on their head. It's very rare to have like a uniform right. texture everywhere. Yeah. I'm still, you know, a novice to this whole thing. Let me hear the beauty trends that you want to just know. I know what it is. <laughs> it is this whole obsession with injecting your lips, the fake eyelashes, the yeah. everything. Yeah. Just detached from reality. It's just so weird. And also from my perspective is like someone like, you know, I've never thought that I had like super big lips or small lips. I just thought like, you know, I have like right. I look decent. Person. I have <laughs> decent lips. Yeah. I have nice eyelashes. You have gorgeous eyelashes and gorgeous eyebrows. So now it's like all these people are, you know, doing all these synthetic things, and then you're like, Good oh, thing. so now I look like shit. Like now I need to get <laughs> right. eyelash extensions, and now right. I need lip injections, like right. to compete. And I'm not going to do that. Right. So oh, everyone just interesting. like interesting. Interesting. Can we just so, like calm down? Wait. And I don't hate on like plastic surgery. Like get your Botox. Mm-hmm. You know, boob job, whatever. Right. Do what makes you happy. Um. But I can see from your point of view, like you have these like, like gorgeous little lashes. 
I don't have those. And then I get eyelash extensions and now we're on the same level. And it's like, you're like, okay, I was born this way. It's not, <laughs> like I'm born this way. It's not, it's not fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel but that. Okay. It has gotten out of hand. It has. It has. Okay. Anything else? And I think it's, you know, it's like the whole Kylie Jenner effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I do respect I do respect that family and that I think they are, well, Chris Jenner is a genius. Like people mm-hmm. who say like, oh, they're stupid, like don't know anything because you try to make yourself famous right. off of absolutely nothing. nothing. And so what they've accomplished, I think is truly brilliant. It is. Um, yeah. But the popularity of that look, has, <clears throat> it's almost like everyone is morphing into the same person. Yes, 100%. It, it's like this weird cloning of this Kardashian look. And people are starting to become more and more similar in the way they present themselves. And it's like, can't we just accept that we're all born differently? Differently, I mean, one of my best friends told me recently, like, that she can't follow any models on Instagram because they make her feel bad about herself. I'm like, but... Okay, let's let's talk about that because (laughs) one of the things that I love that you do, and I love when all of my friends do it, you posted, you know, you were just in St. Martin. You posted like pictures in your bikini. Yeah, I always do. <laughs> you, have an, you have, okay, you have an amazing body. But sometimes girls are extremely self-conscious. They're like, I don't know if I can post this, you know, like I'm not perfect. Two, I think that a lot of people have this, I don't know, strange worry that it makes them seem vain to post a picture like that. Right. There is something so refreshing and nice about someone who is confident in her body and like not making excuses for that confidence. Right. And, you know, I have a hard time with things like that. Even Emily Ratajkowski and all that she brings up Mm -hmm. into conversation with her social media presence. And it's just like, let the girl live. Like she was born with an amazing Amazing body. body. Exactly. And if you had that body, you would post photos of it all the time too. And stop with the like, oh, well, she's promoting like unrealistic body ideals. Like it's not unrealistic because she exists and other people like her do exist. And we just all have to accept that like we were all born differently. Like there's like, I was always brought up to like, you know, be who I am and accept what I looked like. And, you know, my dad always said to me, if you got it, flaunt it. And exactly. that's what I do. Yes. Like, I I love my body and like, I'm not even in great shape right now. Like, no, I'm it. like, but- it's about time that I start working out because I've never been a, the person that works out. I eat whatever I want to eat. And um, yeah, of course, I'm still super thin. I still fit in all my yes. clothes, but my body doesn't look like, the way that I would like it to right now. So it's like, that is something on my mind that like, okay, you know, I need to like get into a little bit of a routine also just to be healthy, but like, I'm not going to feel remotely bad about posting a photo of myself in my bathing suit. Like if you have a problem with that, then look the other way. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And like, I will never like apologize for that. Thank you. And and like (laughs) speaking for all of all 25,000 of your followers, sorry, 25,000 plus. Keep them coming. I love to see you enjoying your life. You have a beautiful body. And I think, what you, you what you said about loving your body and back to Rihanna, like it shows, right? You yeah. can tell you can tell when someone is showing their body because they love it and they're having fun and they're not self-conscious. Right. Are there any other trends that you find to be just like horrid? 
I, people are calling it Instagram makeup. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This like, I don't know, the girls who are just like super done up all the time. Like, I understand like, you know, we all like makeup, but we should also be like showing who we really are. <laughs> yeah. And there's a time and a place, right? And there is definitely a time and a place. And I don't know, I just see, you know, some of these girls on social media who just are like piling on all this makeup and, you know, the contouring, the concealer, the brows, the like concealer under the brows, to, like make it look super sharp. And I'm just like, that is so much work. I actually did a uh, Facebook live video with a couple of my editors where we raced to see who could put their makeup on faster. And I, and I won. They were like, Put on some chapstick in your like, oh. No, and I, I mean, I put on concealer, foundation, and everything else, but like it was just funny. You know, one of my editors who's like, can only put on like her makeup, her foundation with like a beauty blender. And I just put things on with my hand and yeah. like slap it on. And I don't know. I have like really uh, a lot of conspiracy theories about the beauty industry because I really do think that it is made to make you spend a lot of money. I think that you need the next big thing. Totally. And I'm, I'm getting this feeling that all of these new tools are just like excuses to make you spend money. Because if you talk to a makeup artist, they have to use tools because it's not that hygienic to use their hands. Right. But they'll say, like on myself, I just blend stuff with my finger. And it's the and it's better because it's, it's like the heat from exactly. your hands. And people are using these, like, have you seen these? Like, they almost look like toothbrushes now. Like these crazy makeup brushes that are like Oh yes, 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 yes. And I'm like, what I is actually this got like? a set of those, but I just can't be bothered. Exactly. I'm like, I don't I don't need these. Exactly. There's just like always something new that you like happen to need to spend money on. Right. Which is why And the beauty industry makes so much money because the markup is insane. Oh, it's insane. Okay, we're at, we're at the last question. Yes. When do you feel most beautiful? When do I feel most beautiful? That's a hard question. Um, when I have clear skin. <laughs> I feel you. Girl. I feel you. That's a very real. I mean... Having clear skin is just everything. Like when you feel like you don't have to put on a lot of makeup and, um, but of course, you know, that also just has to do with like self-esteem and your own confidence. I mean, you can have clear skin and if you don't feel, mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I have friends who have clear skin and they still don't feel confident in themselves. Yeah. And I'm always like, you have clear skin, like you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> you have to be upset about. <laughs> like you have nothing. So I think when I have clear skin and I'm like just out of the shower, I'm like my skin is nicely mm -hmm. moisturized. Super important. Yeah. Also in the summer, like <laughs> I know this sounds like, well, it doesn't sound weird to you, but like being black in the summer is just like <laughs> the best because when your skin is glowing, I'm like, Literally. white people don't know what it's like to have skin know. that glows. They don't know. They don't know. Oh my gosh, being black in the summer, that's like literally the best thing. I I've mean, being heard. black all year round is awesome, Amazing. but being summer, black in the summer is especially popping. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you so much for coming on the Naked Beauty podcast. Thanks for having me. Honestly, recorded for like four more hours. Literally. But you'll come back. Yes. Okay. For sure. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 